You are listening to Trophy Horse with your host, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Trophy Wars. This is episode 349. That's right, one away from the big 350. Wow, yield. It's been a long time, brother. Man, I'm surprised you can count. <laughs> You're a smart ass. I know that. All right. We do not have Alex or Steven this week, but we do have a returning favorite of the show. We constantly mock the fact that when people, we have a guest on the show, they always come on. They have like this pitiful trophy count, and we always say, "Don't worry, it's not the worst on the show." We've had somebody on the show with a negative one trophy count, and that's Mister Jeff Hanna. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good, and I believe it's been a very long time since I've been on this show. Uh, I think it's been almost two years now. Well, okay, was I was I a THQ employee or not? Because I'm a THQ employee again, and it'd be funny if I only ever talked to you. When I worked for THQ, uh, I don't. Remember. If it was only two years ago, then no, I, I wasn't because now I'm I, actually now I'm THQ Nordic. They bought uh, Koch Media yes. a few weeks back, a few months back. So Jeff, so Jeff, for anybody that uh, new listeners to the show, you know, I do this every time you come on. Uh, explain to people who you are and how what you are in the industry because a lot of people, you know. Even myself get confused sometimes what you actually do. Okay. Uh, well, I have been in the industry since uh, 1995. Uh, I've made video games for over 25 years now. I've worked for EA. I've worked for Sony. Uh, I've worked for Mythic. And for the last 12 years, I've been here at Volition, where I've worked on Red Faction Guerrilla, Saints Row 3, Saints Row 4, and Agents of Mayhem. Uh, what a technical artist does is basically... Anything and everything so that the artists don't have to worry about the technical aspects of making a game. That can be from making the shaders to doing tool development to just managing all of the data that's going into the engine. Uh, we're kind of, I like to put it as if you remember the people in high school that were the stage crew for the plays, they didn't want to be front and center, um, but they hung around behind the stage to make sure the costumes were right and the lights were good and the curtains went up and down and everyone hit their marks. Those are technical artists. We, we fill in the gaps. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, I understand what you say. It's just, I, I, I guess it's one of those things like, if I'm in the industry and I see it, I'll, I'll know more what you do. I mean, I get what you, uh, I'm, I'm stumbling over my words. Yeah, you are. I know, wh- I know what you do. I guess it's just like, I don't have a full understanding of what you do. Sure. He sounds like he's a really busy guy. Uh, I am, and I love it because every day is different. Uh, You don't want an artist to have to worry about, I've now made this really cool thing, and I have to run through these 15 different steps to get my really cool thing in the engine. And I don't want to have to worry about the specifications for what the engine does and can and can't do and how things have to be formatted. And so you used to, like way back in the day, the artist had to deal with all of that stuff. And it, it, anytime you take the artist away from being creative, they can't iterate on their art. So the art's going to suffer. So the TAs sort of fill in that difference. We're half programmer, half artist. We can make it so that the artist can constantly worry about good-looking art 
and we'll take the burden off of them to make sure that the art goes into the game in the format that's best for what's going to happen in the engine. Okay. Yeah, we're nerds. Uh, sorry, uh, I, I got distracted for a second because Stephen, <coughs> who uh, unfortunately was not able to be on the show, he came up some for with some questions for you later in the show. Okay. But he, I just told him we started recording, and he said, "Please ask Jeff this. Please make Summoner three. Thank you." <laughs> uh, okay. Um, you know, I'm not even sure who owns that IP. Um, I know oh, like, we, we usually get like make free space three and that's an easy answer of interplay still owns that intellectual property so we can't make it I don't know um, so when THQ went bankrupt five six years ago now Koch Media bought Volition and Saints Row and a bunch of other THQ stuff went to Nordic Games including the Red Faction Guerrilla franchise uh, the all of this stuff that was uh, happening at most all the other THQ studios. I don't know if they picked up Summoner or not. Um, but now that we're owned by THQ Nordic, we have access to all of those IPs again. So who knows what the future holds. All right, so let's do as we do every week and give you an updated trophy count. I am level 35, total trophies of 9,026 with 89 Platinums. Alex is level 30, total trophies of 6,591 with 98 Platinums in 97 games. Yield? I am a level 26 with a trophy count of 5178 and a platinum count of 79. Steve is level 14 with total trophies of 1843 with five platinums. Sid is still killing it with level 31 total trophies of 7063 with 110 platinums. Jeff? Level zero, uh, total count of negative one. And I forget the story about how I got that to go negative. Uh, zero <laughs> platinums. I'm a 14-year member of Xbox Live, and my gold count on Xbox Live is 29,016. All right. Impressive. The story, with you, the story with you having a negative one is because... Uh, it had something to do with the development kit and, like, Uncharted, but I forget what that was. Yeah, you, you said you were playing it as you were waiting for something to finish formatting or something. And that you were so aggressive that you actually got a, a a trophy that you formatted it, so oh, and so it never hit the server, so we gave you a negative one. <laughs> That's right. I had I had kicked one of the PS3 dev kits over to retail mode, and I was playing Uncharted, and I didn't I didn't want my score to go up. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right, so our next session is what we're playing. Now I know this is dangerous with uh, you, Jeff, because you probably can't tell us what you've been playing totally. So, oh, I've got a good one. I've been playing story. Go ahead. Uh, I've been playing Rocket Ranger. The thirty. 30- what the hell is Rocket Ranger? Okay, Rocket Ranger is a 30, uh, 87, 30, 31 year old Amiga game. Uh, it's okay. it, right. It's a World War Two serial. Uh, and you're the dude. It's like rock, it's like the Rocketeer. And actually, there's a whole long story about how Cinemaware and Disney kind of fought over the same IP. And I think it was Cinemaware that just said "f it" and made the game without getting the license to the, like the 1930s serial and just called it something different. Um, but to be able to take off the mini game is you have to hit the joystick button right as your guy's feet hit the ground, and it has never worked well in an emulator. Because the Amiga output to television, so it had the whole scan line and then the vertical blank where the little photon gun has to go from the bottom of the screen back to the top, 
And you can't do that on a modern computer. You paint the entire screen to the frame buffer and then you display it. So there's up to 30 milliseconds of lag. And so high timing games like Rocket Ranger have never truly been playable. But a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago now probably, a guy figured out how to do a V-Sync system that emulated the, the, the gun trace. Uh, the painting the beam, and the guy that maintains an Amiga emulator has implemented this, and now playing Rocket Ranger is like butter. And so it takes me back 30 years to when I was like a college student playing this game. So I've been I've been living in nostalgia dreams with Rocket Ranger recently. Hey, I'm actually, <laughs> I actually Googled it. I figured I'm you would. NES gameplay right now. Yeah. It's all 2D. Cinemaware blazed a trail that we all take for granted now. They were kind of the first company to do the idea of an opening cinematic to develop a backstory and to have a presentation quality of a game. And like the end of their games were always famous for for being movie-oriented and saying the end and not game over. Uh, They did a television broadcast-based football game years, years before EA put all of the television-type stuff into Madden. And they're kind of like forgotten now because they weren't all that big to begin with and the Amiga was never a huge force but some of the stuff they did really still does uh, have a lot of impact on the way games are made today alright you've been playing anything else besides Rocket uh, Ranger or? Uh, the non-PS4 exclusives of State of Decay 2 and Sea of Thieves oh Sea of Thieves okay. oh okay well that makes me, I, that I makes got... me want to buy an Xbox Okay, I got I got two questions for you because State of Decay two. I'm hearing it's very buggy lately. You are you experiencing any of those bugs? No, uh, I I am. Well, I have had like I did have one of my followers disappear in the middle of a mission, but they showed up again later. But some of the things I'm hearing online, I have not experienced at all. I'm playing on the PC, not the Xbox, so I don't know if that's where the disconnect comes in. I'm also playing on a very powerful PC, so I don't know if it's a low end versus high-end PCs situation. All right, and with Sea of Thieves, uh, one of the things that we're hearing now, uh, obviously, you know, I, I have not played Sea of Thieves, is that when Sea of Thieves came out, there was not much to it, and that's part of the reasons why Ubisoft has delayed Skull and Bones is because they heard all the backlash and said, okay, let's delay this because we got to put more into the game. So is Sea of Thieves that bare, or is it actually a good game? It's... It's a good game if you want to make your own fun. If you're going into it thinking that I need a tutorial and then I need a mission that tells me to go here and do this and go there and do that uh, in some sort of overarching campaign mode, it's not the game for you. But if you want to log on, but it will become the game for you. Their their rollout plan for stuff starting on Tuesday with a huge free DLC pack that's coming out is amazing. But if you want to log on with four friends take a galleon, go sail the seas, fight some skeletons, find a lot of treasure, maybe harass some other players. Um, it's it's a really good time. It's not something that I think is going to appeal to everybody because it is very old school in its game design, which is here's an empty world, kind of go make your own stories. Not here's a world with a mission and a campaign and a this and a that, but go sail and just make up your own adventures. Uh, I I had not heard that Ubisoft is delaying their game because of the fact that... Oh, no, that, that's just a rumor. Okay. That, that's, that, they didn't say that. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's fine. 
Um, Tuesday, Hungering Deep comes out, which is going to add a lot to the game. And I love the fact that Rare has said for the timed events, they're putting in weekly and daily events, which is going to be wonderful. But for all of the things that you can get during the timed events for a certain amount of time after the DLC comes out, after that point, they will just become normal things that are obtainable in the game. So you don't have to necessarily be in during the timed events to get the timed event stuff, which is neat. Because sometimes no, you just cool. can't do that. Yeah, right? They're just they're going to make it part of the world after the fact. I mean, yeah, Sea of Thieves is definitely a game I wanted to try out. I mean, I, I've seen people stream it. it. It looks pretty cool. And now that it's part of the uh, Game Pass. Yes. I, I, I always wonder if it's Games Pass or Game Pass. But now that, you know, for $10 a month, even if I don't like it, what I lose? $10? And, for, and I still have access to all the other games. Including State of Decay 2. Yeah, I mean, I love the fact that Microsoft is committed to all of their exclusives day one on Game Pass. I think that's great. I think it's great, but what worries me is a, a game developer that you know spends obviously years of their life making a game, and then it it goes into Game Pass, and if I don't think like the like just from the outside looking in, the the developer is not getting the 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 credit and the you know the the finances to really support spending a year or two or three on a game. You know, that somebody could just dismiss it into a Game Pass. I mean, just from the outside looking at it, it's just something wrong about that. Well, there's got to be some sort of back end on it. And I believe when they say Xbox exclusive, they're more than likely meaning Microsoft Studios. Like Rare and Undead Labs are both Microsoft Studios, um, or at right. least deep publishing partners. So I'm sure there's some sort of back end renumeration to make sure that they're getting the equivalent of of actual like retail sales on that stuff um but my friend who worked at undead labs even pointed to me the day that you could get a month of uh game pass for a dollar and he's like hey if you want to play uh state of decay 2 you should pull this because it's going to be the cheapest way to try it so he seemed totally okay with the idea i mean i yeah i mean obviously you know as long as the developers still have jobs you know Right. Whatever works, bring uh, happy. I'm good, but I don't know. I just, I just look at it as you know. As so often we hear about turnover with developers and whatnot, and people getting laid off. It was like, I, I just something about this just didn't sit right to me. It's like all these people are working hard to put out a product, and then you know the payoff is not there at the end. But obviously, like you said, there's got to be some kind of back end deal right. to make sure that that's not the case. All right, so uh, Yield, what have you been playing, sir? So, see, uh, since the last time I was on, I've been playing some Everybody's Golf. Of course. Of course. The Swords of Ditto. Okay. Rocket League, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Hot Shots Golf World Invitational, Super Mega Baseball. I dabbled in the Onrush beta last weekend. How was that? I enjoyed it. It 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 took me a little bit to figure out how to use the cars correctly because they they only had like two game modes that you could play. Basically, it was uh, run run through the gates, and then the other one was you had to use your rush ability and boost to score points for your team. So okay. the only thing I had to figure out was how to use. The, the four different vehicles they gave you to choose from efficiently in those types of races. You know, like like uh, 
the the interceptor to gain rush ability, you had to have close calls with either another vehicle or trees, buildings, whatever. You just had to get zip right by them at, at top speed. And then that built up your rush ability, and then you were able to, you know, activate it. So it, it, it was it was jump into the, the quick play. Your, your French fries are done. Yeah. And, and then, <laughs> no, that was my phone. I forgot to mute it. I'm sorry. And then, fig, and then figure out what I needed to do, and then actually kind of go into the tutorial and play each vehicle to learn how to properly use them. After that, I had fun with it. So I'll, I'll probably be picking that one up. And then I also, uh, just the other day, played the Detroit Become Human demo. And what do you think of that? I was slightly disappointed that the demo that they gave us was kind of the same thing that we saw from the E3 uh, demo last year. I was kind of the Connor hostage crisis on the roof. Yeah, I was kind. I was kind of hoping for something different, but still, I I liked. I liked and was a little concerned that when you were done. It showed all the branching stories that you could have done. Well, I shouldn't say stories. It showed all the branching trails that the story could have went, and it only had uh, the story highlighted that you actually did. And then when you went back and replayed it, if you played it differently, then it highlighted that one, but it still had the other ones opened up saying, hey, you've unlocked, you had this path unlocked, now you just did this one. So that was kind of cool, but then also kind of like, oh, well, now I know what I need to do at what time to go this way. So it kind right. of it kind of took it would kind of take away that. Well, what did I do wrong? But at the same time, I'm kind of like, well, it is pretty complex, and I can see where if you make this choice here, it goes here and there and back to here, and so I I can see why they did it. But I enjoyed the little demo that I played of it. The cool thing I like about the demo uh, is because if and it's going to set it off right now, uh, if you have an uh, an echo, you can use Alexa to help you with the situation. So as I'm sitting at my desk right now and you know I'm streaming or I'm doing whatnot, as I'm playing the game, if I'm have a question, all I have to do is turn to my thing and ask it the question, and it will answer my question for me. So it's like having my own personal Android sitting next to me as I'm playing the game. Gotcha. I wonder what that pretty, tie-in was with that. It's pretty cool. So does that uh, mean that an Android in the game can tell your Alexa to change your Nest thermostat and bake you out of your own house? Like we're we're, we're really getting into scary territory here. Did, well, I mean, did you did you name your Android? I did not. Oh, I was going to say because I mean, is it is everybody's Alexa Alexa, or did everybody change their Android's name? See, well. Alexa is just the wake up uh, name for this. See, it just, it just, I woke, it it just woke up. <laughs> um, but I, I actually have three of them in my house, and all of them answer to a different wake up call. So I don't have them all going off at the same time if I ask one to do something. Gotcha. And then the other two are surreptitiously recording you and then get, sending it off to a random contact in your contact list. You, you saw that news story, huh? I did. I did. <laughs> just, just just wait until you get the newest and greatest one. They decide to take your dad's handgun out and shoot you. Well, it, I, I did notice this a couple of weeks ago with mine because I have the, the show, which is the one with the big screen. You got MLB? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um. Alexa I bought it from Amazon. That, 
<laughs> that the, the the screen that's up there now, uh, if you walk away from it for a while, it goes into kind of like a screensaver type thing, and then when you walk in front, it recognizes you and all of a sudden pops up. So the camera's always on because it recognizes that I walked back into the room. And by screensaver, you mean Amazon ads? No, no, no. It just goes to a black screen with just the time. Oh, but it is it is it is at least Until the, motion in the room, huh? Until the next update, and then they're going to start having Amazon ads. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, do you have one of these? I, I have no smart device. Well, that's not true. Um, well, no, it's not a smart device. I have a Kinect, um, and I have the camera covered. And the only reason I still have the Kinect connected, haha, uh-huh. um, is there's a wonderful little $25 media remote for the Xbox. The Xbox is my TV set-top box. Netflix, Amazon Prime, over-the-air channels, it's all run through the Xbox. The media remote's IR sensor is built into the Kinect. So if I ever get like an Xbox One X or one that doesn't have a Kinect sensor, then this wonderful little universal remote's not going to work for me anymore, and I'm old and stodgy, and I don't want that to happen. Well, they do sell the, the adapter, so you can use the Kinect on the X and the S. Uh, I believe they're discontinuing that because they're not making the connects anymore. But I don't need mm. an X yet because I don't have a 4K TV and I have no intention of buying a 4K TV. Ah, so. oh, man after my own heart. I've got two kids to put through college eventually. I don't need a 4K TV. Well, Jeff, I'm, I'm going to sell you on one of these right now. Okay. Because I'm, I'm going I'm to give you what I think is the best skill that this thing does. What, the, so, 4K, listeners, the 4K TV or Alexa? <laughs> Alexa. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm going to – the listeners, my voice is going to go away, but, you know, Jeff and Yield, you guys are going to hear me just fine. I just got to put the microphone closer to the Alexa. Here we go. Ready? Alexa, ask for a fart. <laughs> That's the best skill of that thing. I think you should write a skill where when you wake up in the morning, it goes, good morning, Tricky Mick. <laughs> you have fallen 3,000 in the total count over the evening. You need to get your butt in a chair and start playing some PlayStation games. Ooh, you that know, would be awesome. That that would. That, I'm sure there is a skill where somebody's developing a skill like that. <laughs> your daughter's doing the floss behind you. Yeah, you see her? She's, uh, <laughs> she, know, she knows I'm recording. So she she comes over here. She's all quiet. I don't have my camera on, but I'm waving back. Jeff says he doesn't have his camera on, but he's waving back. Can <laughs> you know, I tell you who Jeff is? No, is he a new person? You seen you seen when Daddy plays games like Agents of Mayhem and Saints yeah. Row? Yeah. He helped making those games. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, go back. She's over there playing Detroit. Oh. Is that okay? We won't go off on the age rating rant. Well, <laughs> okay. I, well, I was going to get into that when I was saying what we're playing, so we'll get back to what we're playing. Uh, yeah, the the only game I've been playing all week uh, is uh, Detroit Become Human. I got that. Actually, no, I take that back. I also played uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands. Um, but I, I'm playing Detroit and. It's pretty. It, I love the game. It's you know. It's definitely a David Cage game. I, I just you take that for what it's worth. Yes, it will be polarizing. Yeah, but 
I, I'm sitting there and I'm playing the game, and it's one of the games that I actually got the goddess to uh, want to play. She's, you know, she actually kicked me off my TV today because she wanted to play that. I saw her I playing re- that earlier today. I, I was, uh, I'm recapping the ranch, which I think is one of the best shows on Netflix right now, uh, because the next part of it's coming out on June fifteenth. And she looks at me and goes, "Can you stop watching this so I can play Detroit?" And I was like, "You know what? Happy wife, happy life." And I gave her the controller. But um, Sweet Mama D is playing, is watching us, and she's making the choices. So I started thinking about it like this. this it's, it's in a very adult game, but I decided to let her play it. You know, obviously, as I'm watching and I'm, you know, interacting with her. And as she makes decisions, after she finishes every chapter... I asked her, I said, so what do you think about your decisions? What do you think you could do differently? Because there's actually a scene, uh, this is a little spoiler, but I'm not going to use any names or any context, where a character dies. Oh. Yeah. I figured big, that. Big I, I, I kind of glanced over the trophy list. And I figured somebody kicked the bucket. Um, <laughs> so I, I asked I her, one. I said, so I asked her, I said, what could we have done differently? Like, what decisions could we have made differently to prevent that from happening? Now, you know, I, I'm using it as a learning experience more than just sitting here saying, here, here's a controller, go play the game. So, yeah, I, I, I'm a little hesitant on letting her play the game because of the, the adult content. But I'm also one of those parents, you know, you can criticize me if you want. That believes I should not shelter my kid from everything that's going on in the world. How dare she, you, sir? <laughs> okay. Um, she's got she's got to be aware of her out her surroundings, so she's not just smacked in the face with it one day and doesn't know how to react. I was I was being facetious. I think the ratings are great in the store, but it's always up to the parents to decide what the kids can play. I've let my twelve year old and my ten year old go on a sale with me in Sea of Thieves, which arguably shouldn't be allowed because they shouldn't be online before the age of thirteen, right? But they've right. done it. It was it ended horribly, but you know, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also like uh, Did it I end horribly for them or for you? Yeah, the ship sank. Oh, uh, it's it's also because I, I got the PlayStation VR, and they say that nobody under twelve should be using the VR. But I personally, I don't see the role, the thing. If uh, there's a, a demo in it where she literally just puts a headset on, she sits in the chair and just looks around. Uh, it's the shark demo where I put the headset on her, and that's. But you know, all the parents out there, oh, you shouldn't be letting me play it because she's only nine years old. I- you know? It was. It's probably one of those extended things. If they're going to do it, you should, it should probably be very limited, since you know they're young, still developing. Blah blah blah. That well, I, that would I be that would be I, my I, take I, on it. Yeah, I I kind of took the warning as like you shouldn't play this under twelve just because of the fact that it could it could mess with your eyes because you know people obviously get motion sickness and stuff like that with VR. So. But she she was literally the the demo was literally you go into a shark cage it drops you into the to the water you don't move around you just look around so so but, kids under twelve shouldn't play VR and no one over twelve is still playing VR hello oh zing I love you Jeff <laughs> you don't change <laughs> that's the best part all right so let's get into our topics here uh, a little bit of bad news. Uh, we had a YouTube personality and a games critic, uh, John Total Biscuit Bon. 
Is that I heard his name pronounced that way, but I would pronounce it Bane. I don't know. Sorry, so I don't know exactly how it's pronounced. So I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it. Um, Bane's wife Gina uh, has posted a message on Twitter announcing the news. Uh, if anybody doesn't know who Total Biscuit is, he was uh, a YouTube personality and a game journalist. He has been battling cancer. Uh, he was originally diagnosed with bowel cancer in two, uh, 2014, and which went into remission, but uh, returned and spread to his liver and his spine last year. Uh, he retired, but he expressed the chemo, uh, chemotherapy treatment was no longer effective and that his liver was failing. And unfortunately, we lost him. Uh, so our hearts go out to him and his family. And uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of what Total Biscuit was to, to the industry, but I figured I'd give you guys a chance to say something if you wanted to. Has his wife said if she's going to continue on? Because I know he had retired from the streaming, but then picked it back up again um, to share it with her in the hopes that she would possibly continue on after he had passed. Uh, In the article that's from IGN, all it says is he planned to continue streaming and making videos with his wife until his passing and hope to see his channel go on with her at the helm of his legacy. I don't know if she's going to continue on with it uh, after his passing. It's probably a little too early for her to decide. Yeah, I do know there is a GoFundMe that's set up to help with the the finances and you know all the the bills that are going to be piling up. Um, I don't have that information. I think it's uh, if I remember correctly, I heard somebody say I think it's uh, GoFundMe dot com backslash Total Biscuit. But um, I will find I will research that and I will put the link in the summary of this podcast if you guys want to go and donate some money to help out. Um. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's very sad news. Um, he was only 33 at the time of his passing, so taken way too young. That URL is correct, uh, and it's at $191,000 out of a $200,000 goal at the moment. That's awesome. In two days. Yeah, yeah that's very good. So, I, I okay, so what's the right link? Yep. All right, so GoFundMe.com backslash Total Biscuit. All right. Uh, Yield, would you like to say anything? No. I didn't know who he was. I'm not a, I'm not okay. a YouTuber, streamer. Well, we know that. <laughs> I'm just a gamer. All right. So uh, from one bad news to another, Telltale's Wolf Among Us 2 Season 2 has been delayed. <sighs> The second season of Telltale's The Wolf Among Us has been delayed to 2019. Telltale Games revealed the delay citing, quote, fundamental changes, end quote, at the studio. Telltale store a company-wide restructure late last year that resulted in layoffs of 25% of its staff. Uh, Telltale revealed that despite the delay, it's committed to exploring new ways to tell our stories and will use the extra time to focus on quality, but also to experiment and iterate in order to craft something truly special. And I am okay with this. All right. I am. Go ahead, Jeff. I am too, but at the same time, or shortly thereafter the layoffs, there was a lot of press about toxic work environment at Telltale. Um, So I really hope that they can turn the corner and get a studio culture that works and is respectful for the developers and start getting the quality products back out. 
I also I just hope they change their engines because their engine needs a massive overhaul. <sighs> That's all I'm saying. I love their games, but their their engines yeah something to be desired. But they've been using it forever. Yeah, that's true. All right, next bit of news. God of War sales have topped 5 million in the first month. That's knocking futz. <laughs> Sony boss John... Uh, I always put, fuck up his last name. Kyoto has revealed that God of War uh, sold over 5 million. That's sold, not shipped, in its first month. The news comes from Sony Investor Relations Day 2018 in which he announced the number of copies exceeded 5 million in the month following God of War's launch. God of War has performed very well for Sony, selling 3.1 million copies worldwide in its first three days, becoming the fastest-selling PlayStation 4 exclusive for the company. The title was also the best-selling game for the month of April, alongside PlayStation 4, which was the best-selling month for the console, with sales at an all-time April high for any console since NPD began tracking software game software in 1995. So, congrats to them. Yes. Well, uh, and, uh, when does the DLC come out where Child Protective Services comes and takes that kid away from his father? Oh my god! That dad, Have you played the game? That dad teaches I'm, the kids some dark stuff. I, I I know you're anti PlayStation, but have you played God of War yet? I've seen it. <laughs> I don't like the, the PlayStation controller's too small. <laughs> well, now that the uh, Scuff Game is making their Pro controller, you'll have a Xbox style controller you can play. Right, or I could just use an Xbox style controller on my Xbox. I was gonna say he could just use a controller he's already got. And save himself like two hundred dollars. Oh my lord! Oh no, we, I, I could see it here at work if I wanted to, um, <laughs> or I could work. So you know. Well, we we would we. Or would, uh, you could work and see it at the same time. Or I could fire up Rocket Ranger. Or you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> Which I play uh, with a three sixty gamepad. Oh my lord! <laughs> All right, go ahead. Uh, we, we said that God of War was the best-selling game for the month of April. Um, the other top-selling games for the month of April were Far Cry 5 for number two, MLB The Show number three, The Labo Variety Kit for number four. <coughs> five I'm sorry, Kong Country. I thought you said Labo. I did say Labo. <laughs> number five was Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Number six, Mario Kart 8. Number seven, Grand Theft Auto V, the game that will not die. Number eight, Call of Duty World War II. Number nine, Mario Odyssey. And number 10 was NBA 2K18. Grand Theft Auto has now sold over 95 million copies. That's the game that will not die. No. No. Unbelievable. Crazy. Ah. All right, so at this time, we're going to throw it across the pond to Sid for this week's Sophie's Trophy. Hey guys, how are you all doing? Um, Sid's back again with Sophie's Trophies episode 39. This week, guys, as uh, promised or told, I'm doing Dark Souls. Now, I will be honest, guys, I haven't actually bought Dark Souls Remastered. Um, I checked out the trophy list, and unfortunately, it is the same as the PS3 uh, version of the game. 
which kind of annoys me guys um, because I really don't want to do all the upgrading weapons trophies again and they have added no trophies from the DLC um, very lazy on From Software's part. Um, I think they could have done something there to uh, fix the trophy list a bit because I know people um, weren't very happy with the way it went. Um, but that being said, guys, I'm using the Dark Souls 3. Um, beg your pardon. I'm using the Dark Souls uh, PS3 list uh, because it is the same list and... Uh, it will give you a general idea of the Dark Souls uh, remastered trophies. Now, bear in mind, guys, all these rarities, like I've just said, are from the PS3 version because quite a lot of the trophies, I'm guessing, will not have been got through the uh, remastered yet. So, with all that being said, let's get on with it, guys. As always, the Platinum Trophy is the Dark Soul. Obtain all trophies. Uh, congratulations. Very rare, 6.2%. Bear in mind, I will repeat this one last time, guys. This is the PS3 list. Um, yeah, so it's a very rare 6.2% uh, trophy. I'm, I'm happy to be one of those people, um, which is one reason why I really can't be bothered going through the exact same list again on the remastered. I will buy it uh, because it's Dark Souls, but I'll wait till it comes on sale. Okay, second trophy, here we go. To Link the Fire. Reach to Link the Fire ending. This is a rare 28% trophy. Um, that is, like I say, no good ending, no bad ending, but let's just say this one is the good ending. Okay? And Dark Lord. Reach the Dark Lord ending. So this is a 19.2% rare trophy. There are quite a few steps involved in reaching the Dark Lord uh, ending, guys. You have to break the game's um, route, as in do things you wouldn't normally do. Um, and I think this one involves going down to... Ooh, I forget the area, guys. It's been a long time since I've played it, but going down to the bottom area of the game and fighting the Four Kings before you do uh, certain other things. You have to be quite well-versed in the game's mechanics and how the game works to do that, though. Knight's Honor. Acquire all rare weapons. This is a 6.5% very rare trophy. Uh, just what it says, find all the weapons, guys. You get some from bosses cutting off their tails and things like that. So be mindful when you're fighting a boss. If it has a tail, try and cut the tail off and you will get the weapon. Otherwise, it will be New Game Plus where you will have to attempt this. Wisdom of a Sage. Acquire all sorceries. This is 11.7% very rare trophy. Um, again... Just acquire all sorceries. Bond of a Pyromancer, acquire all pyromancies. This is a 10.4% rare trophy. Prayer of a Maiden, acquire all miracles. 7.3% very rare trophy, guys. So yeah, all those three, just uh, play through the game. It will take multiple playthroughs, um, as in all Dark Souls, because you will have to uh, do certain things through certain playthroughs to get certain things, if that makes any sense, guys. Okay, the Covenant Trophies. Covenant Way of the White, Covenant Prince's Guard, Covenant Blade of the Dark Moon, Covenant Warrior of Sunlight, Covenant Forest Hunter, Covenant Dark Wraith, Covenant Path of the Dragon, Covenant Gravelord Servant, Covenant Chaos Servant. Right, so guys, 
I'm not going to go through all the trophy rarities on them. They do vary from 20-something percent up to 40-something percent. Um, you will get them as you go through the game and uh, agree to join a covenant. Um, now, this is the one that really annoys me, guys. They should have sorted this out. Strongest weapon. Acquire best weapon through standard reinforcement. So, an easy enough one. Just standard uh, reinforce your weapon. That is a rare 23.6% trophy. But then we come to crystal weapon. Um, and then lightning weapon. And raw weapon. And magic weapon. Enchanted weapon. Divine weapon. Occult weapon. Fire weapon. And chaos weapon. Now, I wouldn't mind this so much, guys. But they all use the same upgrade materials. And you will, I'll give you an example, now bearing in mind this is me talking through my arse, but this is the best way I can explain it. Say you were doing an occult weapon, and you got up to an occult weapon plus 5. You could then either carry on with the occult weapon plus 5, or change it to a fire weapon. Um, you know, or change it to a chaos weapon and then go those two upgrade paths so effectively if you want to do an occult weapon a fire weapon and a chaos weapon you would have to do the occult weapon up to a certain point first for each of them so you see what i mean guys it's really awkward the way they did it um it takes ages to get all the materials together and i must admit that is the one thing they should have got rid of you know get rid of that just do let's say for instance strongest weapon through standard reinforcement and then take some of these trophies and turn them into uh, boss trophies for the DLC or something like that you know just to make it a bit more varied to play through and a bit more fun I think um, okay the next trophy guys is Enkindle light a bonfire flame easy enough common trophy 95.5% um, basically light your first bonfire acquire the Estus flask you know story related you get that really early in the game uh, reach Lordran, this is after you do the Asylum area, which is the start of the game, so it's pretty easy to get, 87.6% common trophy. Um, ring the bell in the Undead Church, and ring the bell in Quelag's Domain. Now these guys are basically to start the game um, and open a place called Sen's Fortress, which will open the rest of the game up. Both relatively easy to do, guys. Um, if you're a first time player on Dark Souls you will find it a bit difficult because you will be not very well powered, but you'll get there. Um, right of Kindling, acquire the Right of Kindling. Kindling guys is where you can make your bonfire stronger. Uh, you get it quite late on in the game um, and you can go around and make all your bonfires plus five, which when you start a new game is brilliant because it gives you more Estus flasks and things like that every time you rest at a bonfire. Um, Art of Abyss Walking. Acquire the Art of Abyss Walking. Now this... Um, ah, I've just remembered what that area is called, guys. It's called New Londo Ruins. And uh, you need this ring to fight the Four Kings. Um, but to get the Dark Ending, you have to do it before you do something else that I cannot remember. So I'm sorry about that, guys. It's been a very long time. I mean, I got all these trophies in 2011, so it has been a while. Um, reach An Orlando, arrive in An Orlando. Rare trophy, 48.7%. Pretty easy to do, though, guys, if you're just playing through the game. The Lord Vessel, acquire the Lord Vessel. Now, you need this um, to play the end game. 
it unlocks the end section of the game. Uh, it is a 45.6% rare trophy. You get it after you beat... I think it's Smo and Ornstein you get the Lord Vessel um, after you beat them. And you also get the ability to walk between bonfires. Uh, right, boss trophies. Defeat Gravelord Nito. Um, he's a good boss. Uh, he's the undead guy. And he spawns skeletons to attack you. A relatively easy boss, to be honest. Defeat the Bed of Chaos. Now, this is a... Oh, how to put it? Annoying would be the word. Um, the Bed of Chaos is a little guy who's hidden under a tree. You go down a big slide, you have to go to one side and destroy um, a big glowing thing and then make it across to the other side with the floor falling apart and big um, roots attacking you and destroy the other side as well. The only good thing about this one, guys, is once you've destroyed one side, it doesn't respawn. So if you die, you can just run to the other side. Once you've done those, you have to run to the middle and jump onto a little branch that you can't actually see because it's below you. Uh, make it through a load of roots and things like that and kill the uh, bed of chaos. Um, the character, I think it's the furtive pygmy. Um, very annoying. Um, it's a gimmick boss and Dark Souls could do well without those. Uh, defeat the four kings. As I said, they're not too bad to defeat, guys. Um, as long as you keep the pressure up on them. Um, you will kill one, but as you kill one, another will appear. If you don't kill it quick enough, another will appear. So on and so forth. And you can easily get mobbed by these guys. Defeat Seath the Scaleless. Big dragon guy. Um, only word I can give on this one, guys, is run to the end of the uh, arena and destroy the big crystal before you take him on because that heals him. Defeat Dark Sun Gwyndolin. Now this is a pretty much optimum, op, excuse me, optional boss. Um, you will be running down a corridor that will seem never ending, but keep running down the corridor, hide behind the pillows, and attack him when you can. He fires crystals and things like that at you. And defeat Crossbreed Priscilla. She is in the Painted World. Now to get to the Painted World, you have to climb up a tower in Firelink Shrine and rest in um, a nest. The crow will take you back to the asylum where you fought the asylum demon. Um, that floor will collapse when you run over it and you will be attacked by the stray demon which is basically a stronger version of the asylum demon. Once you've done that guys you will um, be able to pick up the doll which is a little doll figure um, and then you take that to Anor Londo um, and stand in front of a painting in Anor Londo and you will be taken to uh, 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 the Painted World. Sorry guys. It's called the Painted World of Ariamis and you have to make it through to the end of that before you can get back out. Um, now you do have choices. The choice is you can either fight Priscilla or you can talk to her and she will say you can leave. Um, now if you leave you just walk to the end and fall off a, a plank. Um, if not you attack Priscilla. Now bear in mind guys uh, with the weapons trophy she does have a weapon in her tail. 
So yeah, that's Priscilla for you. And that trophy, guys, by the way, is a 35.4% rare trophy. So yeah, that's it for me. Uh, Dark Souls, great game, guys. It is my favourite game of all time, but I'm just very disappointed with From and what they have done with the trophies. Um, they really could have uh, sharpened this list up a bit and made it a bit more enjoyable to get and a bit more enjoyable for new players. But hey-ho, what can you do? Um, I will buy it eventually, um, but I'm not sure when because I've just got um, God of War and Assassin's Creed Origins, so they're going to keep me busy for a while. Okay, guys, that's it for this week. Hope that was okay. Um, yeah, Dark Souls, without a doubt, if you've never played it, buy the remastered version. Just no question at all. Um, as always, you can get in touch with me, Sidders1978 on the PSN, at Sidney through uh, Twitter, through the Trophy Horse Facebook group, or Sid at Proven Gamer. So, yep, Dark Souls, buy it. It's great. Um, okay, have fun, guys, and keep getting those trophies. Bye. And we're back. Thank you, Sid. You know, Yield, one of these days, I'm going to listen to that prior. You probably should. That way you have a proper segue in and a proper segue out <laughs> instead of I just know. going, and we're back. Yeah, because, you know, the thing is, uh, I wake up Sunday mornings because we record on Sundays. I re- by the time I wake up on Sunday, he's already sent me a message saying, hey, it's sent and it's recorded. And I go, thank you. And I have all day listened to it. And then I never do. <laughs> Sounds like uh, me and cleaning the house. Yeah. Except no one in England like sends me a message that I should clean the house. And uh, the goddess just sent me a message on Facebook asking me, really, did I ask Alexa for a fart? <laughs> Someone ratted you out. <laughs> well, she's she's literally like 10 feet behind me, so I'm sure she probably heard, probably heard me say it. All right. So uh, this week, because Alex is not here... <coughs> We don't have uh, What's Hot in Gaming, because I don't like doing that, seg- that segment without him, because that's his segment. But we do have a topic of the week, and it's we kind of have a unique well, look a, at wait, it. I've got a What's Hot in Gaming. Oh, go uh, ahead, Jeff. I've, I've seen this mentioned around the internet a while. There's a big discussion about a massive historical inaccuracy in the Battlefield Five demo or uh, trailer, and I think we need to address this. Okay. Um, oh. I, I understand where people stand on the issue and how it is highly polarizing, but... At no point in World War II did a German pilot fly a Messerschmitt two feet off the ground like that. Oh, now it makes me want to watch the trailer. Our topic of the week, we have a unique look at it this week because we actually had a developer on. Um, So H1Z1 has seen over 1.5 million people play their open beta. Now, uh, this is the, the Battle Royale conversation in which if you... Anywhere near gaming lately, you know about Fortnite, you know about PUBG, and you know even Call of Duty is going in with their own version of Battle Royale. And one of the common questions you hear, whether you're reading it or you listen to another podcast, is that there has to be pressure on game developers to make a Battle Royale version of their game. Mm. Now, Jeff, I, I know that, you know, you probably are not in the board meetings and whatnot to have these conversations, but is there a, an overlaying pressure to put Battle Royale into video games now? I, I don't know if you would 
phrase it as a pressure like all the way down to the rank and file developers, but I certainly believe that at the larger publisher space that there's a there's gold in them, there hills mentality happening. I uh, look at what look at what Bosky did. I mean, they the, the Radical Heights was done in five months in the hopes of being able to capitalize on this. And uh, unfortunately for Bosky, it didn't work out for them. Clearly, the discussion, I think, is whether or not this is the PUBG game format or whether or not this is a new genre. For me, it's very akin to the 90s after Doom and Quake came out. And then suddenly there was just an explosion of first-person shooters. Uh, Publishers and developers can sense a market, and they are going to want to be the first in at that market. Are we going to see a ton of AAA titles with Battle Royale modes coming up this Christmas? Yes, I, I absolutely believe we do, and we're already see, seeing a lot of indications from that from E3 pre-announcements. Is this something that will last? I, we don't know until Call of Duty 15 and Battlefield 6 or whatever numbers are on uh, come out. Um is it going to fit for everything? No. Are certain developers and publishers going to try to fit it on things it's not supposed to fit on? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, because I, I, I started thinking about this because when I saw this headline and I knew you were coming on this week, I started thinking, like, is there a Volition game that could go Battle Royale? And obviously, you know, I'm a big fan of the Saints Row series. And even though it wasn't critically accepted, Agents of Mayhem... I love that game. Uh, I couldn't see either one of them doing a battle royale type thing. So I was like, like it bogs my mind. Like I understand it's a very popular, you know. And as we, as you said, is it a genre? It's a very popular mode in games right now. Right. Like I don't think everything needs to be battle royale. No, absolutely. If is I it, were to, is it pick so pop? A, Sorry, Jeff. Go ahead. If I had to pick a volition title where it possibly would have worked in multiplayer. I'd have to say Red Faction Guerrilla. Um, that's like one of the last titles we did where there was competitive multiplayer. The Saints Rows have been cooperative multiplayer, although there was some competitive in Saints Row 2, and AOM was entirely a single-player experience. Red Faction Guerrilla had the capture the flag modes and variations thereof, so it possibly could have worked there. Um, but we clearly right now are not making games where it fits. Right. Bravo. I, I'm waiting for Goat Simulator Battle Royale. I would play the crap out of that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't even want to think about that game anymore. <laughs> I never I touched should... that game. I refuse. But, the, but they're always really good about doing the meta narrative and making fun of other genres. I'm really surprised they haven't done even a faux Goat Simulator Battle Royale out on. Oh, you, you, probably, you know it's probably in the works. I hope so. <laughs> you, you were going to say something before. I was going to say, is is this battle royal thing really going to be a genre, or is it just because a couple of developers have hit the nail on the head? It's something that really hadn't been done, and everybody's flocking to it because it's new. I think also dating back to the '90s, what you're going to see is Fortnite. Fortnite and PUBG will hold the line as the games that only feature it as their genre. Um, go back to the original Capture the Flag mods um, and like the Team Fortress type mods, where those were standalone experiences as add-ons to previous games. 
I think what you're going to do, you're going to see, is it will be adapted into many games as a multiplayer mode, just like Capture the Flag uh, was. Um, it's it's just another form of, of of play for people in a multiplayer space. I, I don't think like Battlefield Five is not going to be entirely a battle royale game. It's going to have a battle royale multiplayer mode, and I think the same is true for Call of Duty. I think you'll see it subsumed into that sort of system. And while there will be a gold rush early on, Radical Heights notwithstanding, of other companies trying to make the this is just a battle royale product. Long term, it won't live like that. See, now, that I would be fine with, as in a, you know, we're going to introduce this as a game mode. Because I'm just, not that I've played any of the Battle Royals. I understand the concept. I'm just not a fan of those because I'm better at team-based games than I am just all lone gunmen do it all myself. So, right. I, to, to me, when I hear all these things of, oh, we're doing Battle Royale in our game, and we're doing, and everybody, that's all everybody wants to talk about, that I'm the type of person, I'm just like, okay, so now I'm not going to pay attention to your game anymore. On to the next one. See, my, my only problem with Battle Royale is, because when, when it comes to PUBG hit, uh, you know, it, it was a hit, and it was great, and then Fortnite came out with it, and we know the controversy with them saying that, you know, Fortnite you know, did PUBG wrong and all that other stuff. But I believe everybody migrated over to Fortnite because of the fact that PUBG was still $30. Pub, uh, Fortnite was free, so everybody jumped into the board, Battle Royale with that, and that be- took off. But now with Battle Royale and Fortnite, everybody's forgetting about the Save the World version of Fortnite, which happens to be my favorite part of that right. game. Right. So, like, now is Save the World going to... Is it now going to lack because... You know, Epic is pushing towards the Battle Royale version. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, the only time Battle Royale I played was when they did the crossover with Thanos. And that was fantastic. Epic announced a $100 million pot esports league specifically for right. Fortnite Battle Royale. So the writing's on the wall for the other version, I think. You know where yeah. the resources are going at this point. Uh, to give credence to the it's going to be a mode... If you read about what's actually going to happen in Battlefield 5, now I don't think Call of Duty is going to be like this, but Battlefield 5 doesn't have a dedicated Battle Royale mode. It's got the typical, like the Grand Operations mode where like the two teams battle through different sequences. And if you get to a stalemate, that triggers a, a final like lightning fourth round. And that round will be more of a Battle Royale type of round to enforce the fact that there will be only one team or one survivor from either side at the end of it, as opposed to just letting the thing end in a draw. So I think that's an interesting adaptation of the game mode to fit into a a game, a Battlefield game, that is specifically about side versus side and not necessarily every man for himself. World War II was not about every man for himself. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. All right. So, Jeff, yes. at this time, uh, Stephen was not able to be here, so he sent in four questions for you. Okay, uh, yes, no, 35, and the Battle of Hastings. That is exactly correct. All right, so uh, the questions are, <coughs> uh, number four, because I'm going to go in reverse order, because I think they get the the... Number four is a little silly question. Uh, Who is your favorite PlayStation character of all time, and why is it Kevin Butler? 
Um, oh, my favorite PlayStation character of all time, Mark Cerny. That's a good answer. I know Mark. I work with him on the GDC advisory board. He's a great guy. And do you even know who Kevin Butler is? Uh, Kevin Butler was the the he he did the TV commercials. Yes. Yes. Until he got fired for doing a Michelin commercial that featured the Wii. Right. Yes. All right. Number three. As a person with some inside information, what the hell do you think Death Stranding is going to be? Uh, the what? What? He says, as a person with some inside information, what the hell do you think Death Stranding is going to be? Oh, uh, that's a bluegrass band that specializes in covering 80s pop songs. Okay. That sounds amazing. Actually, that's a genre. You can look for it on Spotify. It is pretty amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, and we already know the answers to this, is do trophies matter to you? Yes, in the fact that we've determined it's an unsigned integer and it can go negative. <laughs> I guess that makes right. it a signed integer. And number one, uh, so as a member of the dev community, are you able to stave off hype around E3, t- E3 time or do you get sucked in like the rest of us? Uh, certain years I, I absolutely get sucked in uh, and those would be the years that the studio I'm working for is trying to get an E3 demo ready. Uh, other years, like this year, I really just pay attention online. Um, I've attended E3s. I've worked E3s. I've worked E3s in the era prior internet where it actually had some bearing because the press was all over it to come up with their next big stories. Um, so I'm all about the E3 hype. I am also able now to just kind of tune it out, which is, I think, mentally relaxing. I mean, my favorite part of you going to E3 is all the pictures. Right, right. I haven't been able to go to one in a while, so you don't get pictures of my half-eaten muffin or the banana <clears throat> in the trash. They, they are landmark, landmark pictures, i got to tell you. That's what you get for asking me to do things. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't even think I'm the one to ask you to do that. I think that was Hard Rock. Uh, it probably was. It probably was. So, but with, I mean, now... No, that's all his questions. But now with E3, I mean, is is there ever a pressure around a game developer, you know, to produce something? Like, I, I know you're making a game and you probably are not ready to make the announcement or anything. But is there ever a pressure like, oh, should we announce an E3 or, you know, are we okay missing it or? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Those decisions will usually be driven by brand and marketing. Um, and But that will be basically uh, subtracted off of the time that you've already scheduled with the publishers to submit your game. Um, when you start a game project, one of the first things you do is talk to Sony and Microsoft about the date that you will submit it for certification. And so you're trying to sort of prognosticate three, four, five years out into the future as to when the thing's going to be ready. And so from there, you can work back and be like, well, if we're sending it to cert here and E3 is three months prior to that, that might be a good E3 to hit. The one 15 months prior to that might not be a good one to hit because now we're almost a year and a half out from the game release. So there, it's all sorts of scheduling black magic that happens up at brand and marketing level. And those 
those decisions absolutely put pressure on the developers because you have to have a stable demo build if, if you're going to do hands-on or even hands-off. If you're just doing a video release, eh, right? Then not, not right. so much because you can do as many takes on that as you need. But if you're having some sort of actual running demo, there's huge amounts of pressure to get a good vertical slice and make sure it's stable and playable. Oh, okay. Yield, do you have any questions for Jeff before so, we close out the show? So I've got one. So... Being a developer, and since we're speaking of E3, mm -hmm. let, let's say you've got something in the works. No one knows about it, but yet you. Central Five. But but yet you've got something somewhere. Let's say Canada. <laughs> that that somehow leaks. There's a game coming out at E3 being announced. As a developer, does that absolutely like annoy you, take wind out of your sails that this awesome surprise that you were just going to drop on everybody all of a sudden now takes the wind out of your sails because now everybody's talking about it when no one was talking about it? You get what I'm saying? Yes and no. I mean, yes, I do get what you're talking about. It. The answer to the question is yes and no. Yeah, it's demoralizing. Absolutely. Um, I think in the case of the Walmart Canada release, it wasn't that bad because it was, there was some plausible deniability. I, I think that Bethesda and id like totally owned up on it and went after them for the, the art direction critique of the design of the box art was brilliant. Because it, it was just a black rectangle. And you know that the marketing and brand department were totally behind that. And I thought that was wonderful playing up to it. Because now people aren't talking about the, the Walmart Canada ad. They're talking about the fact that Bethesda reactivated the Rage Twitter account, which hadn't made a tweet in something like 36 months. Right? And so right. that got people talking. But it got them talking about something that Bethesda has control over. And so that worked really well. Um, I think the other companies that just stayed silent were good. I think the worst thing you can do into that incident is just sort of come out and go, uh-uh, no uh uh-uh, because then people kind of know you're covering up. So th there's all sorts of strategies around that. I'm sure the Bethesda team working on Rage, like, all collectively hit their foreheads on the desk type of thing. But they recovered from it, and they the demo... The trailer was already scheduled, I guess, to come out a couple of days later as a surprise, so it really didn't affect them all that badly um and some people always say all press is good press i don't necessarily agree with that but if people are going to start talking about what you're working on and you don't have to put a lot of effort into getting them to talk about it that's totally a win i mean you you brought up the walmart canada thing the thing that boggles my mind with that is the fact that i obviously when the when the walmart canada leak came out a lot of people were wondering is it fake is it real uh, because there were some games in there that educated guesses could determine that that was probably going to be announced. Right. I mean, the 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 I mean, obviously Ubisoft hasn't come out and said that they're coming out with a new Splinter Cell, but you have to figure with the tie-in with Sam Fisher with Wildlands, they were kind of drumming up some kind of hype to announce the Splinter Cell. So that was like an educated guess. You know, obviously we know certain things that we're going to announce, like I. I don't even have the full list of games like Gears of War Five. Uh, they, I think they announced Forza Six or Forza Five. When <laughs> no, they, was it? They, that's they, not even the next one in the series. Forza, yeah, they announced Forza Horizon Five, and there has been no four yet. Right. So it's like when stuff like that happens. I mean, obviously that's 
uh, above your head in marketing and whatnot. But it we often hear about oh well this game is is announced or this game is rumored because a listing went up on Amazon India or Amazon France or Walmart Canada like it, it's got to be annoying that these companies who have nothing to do with the marketing that are just trying to set up a, a you know an item on their website it's it's got to be annoying that that happens it is and i remember i think GameStop put a pre-order page up for agents of mayhem the day we publicly announced it we were three and a half plus years from ship and they're like all right people can start giving us money for it that's just right like what are you thinking um yeah i I just pulled up the image uh tom clancy's the division two splinters it just says splinter cell right so they knew nothing about that insurgency stand form the last of us two eh. Just Cause 4, more than likely. WWE, that's not a hard one to figure out. Yeah. Um, Metroid Prime, NBA 2K19, well, of course, right? Right. Uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2 has been talked about forever. Rage 2 was kind of a standout. Um, Borderlands 3, we all know it's coming, but Gearbox is also... Right, Gearbox, but they've been very public about saying it's not anytime soon, right? So... And they said it wasn't going to be at E3. Right. You know, and uh, they just have a generic Assassin's Creed. Well, yes, there's going to be another Assassin's Creed game, right? But they have no information on it. So this was just sort of a shotgun effect. So I really don't think there was much on here that destroyed a lot of developer morale. Because the ones that we knew were going to happen, like WWE 2K19, yeah, of course, right? The other ones are just so generically named that there's no reveal inherent in white text on a black background. I got you. All right, so now I this is kind of be kind of a weird question and I, I hope I explain this correctly. One of my E3 predictions is always it it would be cool if a during a Microsoft or a Sony press conference they came out and they gave us a landmark announcement of a game and they're like and the game is re- is being released today. Mhm. Uh, you know, just hypothetical. I'll just use it. Say, now, I have no inside information, and I'm not asking Jeff to confirm <clears throat> this or anything like that. Let's just say you guys have been working on Saints Row 5, and you come out on E3 to go, Saints Row 5, here's the announcement, here's the trailer, and it's released today. Could that realistically work without it leaking? Because obviously the games and everything would have to be at GameStops and Amazon and Best Buy, all that buy stuff like that. Could an announcement like that actually work? Only for a game that's so big it doesn't need that level of advertising. Like, a GTA 6 would work. For anything else, and I can give you a very good very good example of what happens when you release a game and no one knows about it. Agents of Mayhem. Um, you have to generate the buzz. You have to get the people talking about it and get it in their mind and sort of get the zeitgeist going about it so that they will go online and order it or go into the store and buy it physically. The whole world doesn't watch E3. So having a press conference at E3 that says, hey, we're dropping whatever, and that makes it out to a decent number of streamers and a handful of game-oriented websites isn't the same thing as an actual marketing campaign. 
And so that's super risky. And at the level of AAA development where we're talking, you know, three-digit millions of dollars going into a game, no publisher in their right mind is going to risk that on hoping the sales take off from a couple of sentences said at an E3 press conference. They're going to invest tons of money into marketing that game. The global brand manager for Activision about six months ago, I read an interview that they were in, and they said Activision's discovered that there's no upper limit on marketing spend that won't at least net you one-to-one back on your marketing spend. The, the result there being you market the crap out of everything, regardless of how good you think it is. Uh, and the worst you're going to do is you're going to make your marketing spend back. Um, so there's no need to not go ahead and make the marketing spend. Yeah, it okay. makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it, it- it makes a lot of sense because I, I thought it'd be really cool if 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 a developer somebody just came out and said, you know, big AAA title. Here here's the announcement. You had no idea this was coming, and you can go to the store right now and buy it. Well, I know. I always thought that would be cool to do. Well, I know Bethesda did it a couple years ago with that Fallout Vault for uh, uh, for yeah, but see, even, the mobile, even when the mobile even game, when Bethesda did that. They announced Fallout 4, and they said it's going to be out in, I think it was three months later. It might have been four months later. Like, no, like everybody had an idea a new Fallout was being made, but they didn't know how far development was. But then when Bethesda came out and said, here's the announcement, and it's going to be out in a couple months. You know, like, you got Shadow of the Tomb Raider announced now, and we're still, you know, four months away from the release. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's... I do. I just. I thought like that would create so much hype with the developer and the sales. Like, boom! Here's your announcement. You had no idea this was coming, and you go to the store right now and buy it. But I see what Jeff's saying though, with the that it would only work with, with like Grand Theft Auto. That you kind of already know what you're getting. It would. It would be hard to come out and drop a brand new IP, and go. Here's our game, and you can get it today. I mean, would. Would uh, would Horizon have taken off if Gorilla would have come out and dropped the trailer and said you can go to the store and get it today? Right, and and Gorilla's not going to bet their future or the three plus year investment of developer time and money on having that work. They're going to always hedge their bet and and do the massive marketing spend. You know, you you because I mean, because with because with that, I was just thinking about it. You had the reveal at E three of hey. We're working on this game, and then the following year you still had that buzz, and then it was here. Here we can play it, and then the game's coming out in February. So I mean, it was you know a little over two years yeah. worth, and worth of build for that game. Yeah, yes, and that's a pretty standard marketing tactic: is to do the announce with the video trailer at one e three, have the either on the show floor or the behind closed doors playable. At the next E3, with the expectation that that game will drop that Christmas. Absolutely. See, and, like, one of Steven's questions was about that stranding. Like, I personally think, like, I'm a big Metal Gear fan. I'm a big Kojima fan. But I I also believe showing Death Stranding so much, and we have no idea when it's coming, and it's probably not going to come until at least uh, 2019 or maybe even 2020. To me, that kind of kills the hype because you're showing me so much, but we still don't know what the hell that game is about. But you're still talking about it. Yeah. But and, what and, we're and talking about is we don't know what the hell it is. 
But we're still talking about it, and we're talking about it in terms of a mystery. What is it? Right? We're still talking about it. I think that's what Kojima wants. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Because everybody knows he likes to troll people. So so this whole thing of Sony wanted to announce, hey, we've got him working on a game for us. Now, everything else afterwards, I just think it's Kojima messing with people. And for any average Metal Gear game, even when you show it to me, I don't know what the hell it is. Gigantic robotic President Benjamin Franklin? What? Like, (laughs) uh, it really doesn't matter if we're talking about it knowing what it is or don't know what it is, because no one knows what it is. And and you get so many people that go, I don't know what it is, but I'm still buying it day one. And yes, Internet Trolls, I know Benjamin Franklin wasn't a president. <laughs> you, you do know we were going to get a message about that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that. absolutely. <laughs> I, it's just, it, it, like, next week we're doing, you know, when we do uh, episode 350, uh, we're, we're going to do our annual E3 predictions. And so far, me and Steven have our predictions already in the bank. Uh, Yield has decided to cowardly take the, you know, I'm not going to care about it because he's lost the last three times to me. That's fine. Um, I'm not. I'm not, I'm actually. I'm just going to wait because, like I told you, um, I remember E3s when you would watch it. And of course, this was before you know everybody's all internet twenty four seven. But when you would watch your E3s and you would read, you know, the the, the post E3 coverage, you would find out about games that you you just hadn't heard about. And oh, now, yeah. and now it's all about the the leaks and and I, whether it's a planned leak or not. And then we've got a well. Here's our release. I I personally, I would have liked it if we rolled into E3 and then Bethesda come out and goes, "Look, we're doing Rage and and uh, Avalanche and why am I think forgetting the other group, but." You know, these two are helping us do it, and boom, here it is. I, I like those kind of surprises, the one that just come out of left field. And keep in mind, E3 has always kind of historically happened around this time of the year. But pre-internet, you had to allocate three months lead time for press, for magazines to get written. So the stuff that was announced at E3 really wasn't known to the public till almost September which is right about the time that all the Christmas sales start to release. With the advent of the internet and the fact that, you know, there is no more dead tree publishing, it's all instantly published, things, the whole marketing idea had to switch about what happens at E3 because you're not giving information out three months ahead of time of when you know it's going to drop. You're giving information out immediately. So it's everything adjusted to that. And that mean, that's why you see a lot of the bigger companies do E3, but also do press events where you can go play the game at a different time of the year or even big press days where they showcase all of their stuff. Like uh, the Microsoft just did a big State of Decay 2 press event a couple of weeks ago so that, you know, <coughs> the press could play it and get the reviews written so that the reviews were ready to go right at the time the game was going to drop. Um, it used to be E3 was the only place you went to do any of that stuff. So that is going to wrap up this week's show. Uh, Yield, let's do some housekeeping. Let's clean this shit up. 
ProofofGamer.com is looking for some staff members, welcome for some writers, podcasters, video editors, news reporters, and generalized help with the site. If you're interested in applying, go to ProofingGamer.com, click on the Help Wanted tab, and fill out the application, and I will get back to you as soon as possible. While you're there, be sure to check out all of our articles and all of our videos. Speaking of our videos, they can be found on YouTube by doing a search for Official Proving Gamer. You can also catch me and some other people randomly streaming on Twitch.tv backslash Proving Gamer. You want to get a hold of us? There are several ways to get a hold of us. The first one is our phone number. Yield, what is that phone number? 330-PROVEN-9. 330-776-8369. You can also send us a tweet. You can contact the site at Proving Gamer. Contact the show at Joe Viewers. Contact me at Tricky Mick. Contact Alex at Saundersaurus Rex. Contact Yield at I Yield to No One. Contact Steven at Batchild27. And contact Jeff at Jeff.Hannah. Uh, Twitter is Jeff underscore Hannah. Underscore Hannah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I knew it was Jeff Hannah with something in the middle. I thought it was a dot. Uh, that's, now I'm thrown off. Uh, if you listen to this podcast, we greatly appreciate it, but be sure to listen to our other podcasts, Nintendo Dual Screens, Game Stuff, and PG Spoilers. Yes, we are still trying to do the God of War PG Spoilers. It's just been bad timing on everybody's parts to get a part of that, so we are still trying to do it. Uh, I'm not going to let the curse kill us, Yield. Hey. <laughs> the best PG spoilers no one's ever heard. <laughs> you can blame that on Donnie. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he's no longer here, so I can blame it on him. Uh, if you listen, you can listen to all the podcasts on Apple Podcasts, follow me iTunes, Stitcher, all your various podcast applications on your smart devices, Google Play, TuneIn, and you can listen to Trophy Horse and Nintendo Dual Screens on iHeartRadio. If you want to get involved in our PlayStation 4 communities, there's one for the site, Proving Gamer. There's one for the show called T-Dubs Brothel, because Shuhei will not let us say horrors on the network. How dare he? Yes. And you can get involved in Yield's group, the Platinum Guild. If you get a new Platinum, post it there, and Yield eventually, sometime four months later, will give you a shout-out. Sooner or later. Uh, that is for the housekeeping, but we do have some sponsors. Our first sponsor <coughs> is Extra Life. Yield, tell us about Extra Life. So, Extra Life is a wonderful charity. It is a 24 or 25 hour, as it happens to be lately, 24 hour video game charity event. So what you do is you go to extra-life.org and you either play solo, uh, a la Han Solo, See what I did there? And, or. No, you, I don't. You don't? Okay. No. Did you hear what I did there? Uh, yeah, but I wasn't able to put it all together. Okay. Or you can join a team. You can either get your own group of buds together, join a team that's open on the site, or you can join our team, Proven Gamer, because we have one. So what you do is you go get some donations or some monies from friends, coworkers, family members, kids on the street, people on the street developers, anybody, because, hey, everybody's connected to social media. And uh, what it does is it benefits the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals, and you can pick whichever hospital that's in that network that you like. You can choose your local one. You can choose one on the other side of the country. doesn't matter. But 100% of the monies that you collect go to said hospital. Cool. Uh, our, 
our other sponsor is Amazon. If you couldn't would each and every time you do it and you're shopping on Amazon, stop by Proving Gamer first. Click on any Amazon link and continue with your noble shopping. It doesn't cost you anything extra and does help out the site tremendously. If you do shop on Amazon and you are Amazon Prime, you are also Twitch Prime. So if you could, if you can connect your accounts, go to twitch.tv backslash Proving Gamer and you can sub to us for free once a month. You do have to renew it every month, but yes, it's a, a free uh, subscription to your favorite Twitch channel. Hopefully that's us. And uh, if you don't use it, it goes away. So you, all you're doing is uh, you give them back, giving them back money. You don't want to do that. All right. I expected some kind of feedback with you yield. What? I don't Twitch? Nothing. Oh, Never mind. Okay. I'm just uh, I'm thinking I should just sub to my own Twitch channel and get the 250. There you go. <laughs> you could do that. Too. Well, you you have to you actually have to be a associate. Oh, I've a, only uh, I've only streamed twice. Yeah, you have you have to hit some marker before you're able to even uh accept subs. Okay. But you know, in the meantime, you could sub to us. I, I and I am going to, because <laughs> my my idea for a Twitch channel didn't work out too well. So, what what was your idea for a Twitch channel? If you want to say that publicly, uh, I was trying to track down a bug in our tools inside of Autodesk 3ds Max. It only happened in startup, uh, and so I wrote what I thought was a fix, and then I wrote a little program to start and shut down 3ds Max repeatedly to see how many launches I could get. Until it crashed, and I made a big counter, and then I just streamed that for a weekend. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did fix the bug. I got, like, thousands of launches before I came back to work on Monday. I only got two people joining the channel, though. So. Hey, we all started off with just one. <laughs> so you're, you're double ahead of that already. Yeah, but I don't know how to monetize it. Uh, speaking of monetizing, uh, you can go to patreon.com backslash proving gamer, and there are different tiers you can support us with. No matter what tier you support us with, know that it's greatly appreciated. There are certain perks. Uh, we are planning to do YouTube versions of our shows, uh, crossovers where you may get the trophy horse hosting an episode of dual screens and dual screens hosting game stuff and game stuff hosting trophy horse. Yeah, it's a bunch of craziness going on over there, but Oh, no matter what you guys do, uh, know that it's greatly appreciated. And that is it. Now it's time for shout-outs. Yield, let's start with your shout-out, sir. So, uh, first off, I would like to shout-out to you, the pimps and the madams of the whoredom. Thank you for continuing to support us and following us down this crazy trip that we do every week. Uh, a shout-out to Jeff. For coming on board this week and recording, always a pleasure. It, it, that 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 was neat. Getting some little inside information. Well, not really inside information. Inside look. There we go. I said that totally wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, a twerp you to my brother. Uh, Homer gets duff for giving me his cold. Thank you. Really appreciate it on the holiday weekend, there, buddy. And. Uh, That'll do it for me this week. All right. Uh, Jeff. Okay, first I want to give a shout-out to whoever invented Freon, because it is hot and humid as all outside, and yes, air conditioning is. is a wonderful, wonderful thing. 
Uh, I also want to give a shout out to all of the game study students at DePaul University. I had a chance to travel up to Chicago yesterday and be on a panel about game industry trends. And then I got to hang around and see a bunch of student projects. And it was mind-blowing what these guys are doing. And I really had a, a wonderful, enjoyable day up in Chicago with all of those kids. It was great. And finally, uh, I don't know if you guys, I was trying to chew very silently, but I was enjoying a Texas Ranch double burger from Meatheads. And I want to give a shout out to them because that burger was super tasty for dinner. Meatheads, 13.05 South Neal Street, Champaign, Illinois, 61820. Or order online at eatstreet.com or doordash.com. So says their Google page. Meatheads, it's a burger. It's good. Uh, now, uh, one thing I, I forgot to mention, and I'm sorry, you were recently honored, weren't you, at uh, for Purdue University? Uh, eight years ago, six years ago. Oh, that oh that thing you saw on Facebook, right? That, yeah, no, that was that's just the uh, I I got alumni of the year in 2012. Uh, that Facebook thing is just, they've got a brand new social media director at what was the School of Technology when I went to Purdue. It's now the Purdue Polytechnic Institute. And she is super good about reaching out to notable alum and saying, hey, can I interview you so that we can post you up on the Facebook page to, to drive interest and let people know what graduates are actually accomplishing coming out of the program. And given that I'm on the curriculum advisory board for the Polytechnic Institute, and I'm over there helping students like every semester semester uh, because I love giving back to the school I graduated from she naturally wanted to reach out to me and I, I will bend over backwards to help that program I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for Purdue University and specifically the, the what is now the game studies program and uh, I also know you're is it F1 or IndyCar that you are a big fan of both I actually have to go home tonight and watch the replay of the Indy 500 first time I haven't been at the track since I think I was eight this year and also oh, I won't uh, spoil it for you then please do not I also need to <laughs> uh, watch the Monaco Grand Prix which happened today today is a huge racing day so I'll be up till about midnight watching cars go around in mostly circles well see now I was going to ask you a question but now I feel like I was going to spoil something oh I, I haven't watched either so if it's a question about anything that happened today please don't I, I will not ask you I, I, I watched about probably the middle third of it and then turned it back over in time to see uh, the winner. Okay, don't say anything. I won't, because that would totally kill the race. Yeah, right. So At won't. that point, there's no need to watch two and a half hours of television. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could save you two and a half hours. Please don't. Well, can, I'm, we, can we, I'm actually, it's very, like, I didn't go to the race last year, but I still went to pole day for qualifications. And to not actually have set foot on that track at all during the month of May this year is really weird to me because, like I said, I've been going since I was about eight. Being part of Purdue University's marching band, I've played the opening ceremonies there many, many times. Uh, I love that track, uh, and I just its it, I just didn't work out this year. I just couldn't go. Yeah. I know but the, given, I, how, I, given that it's hot as fuck outside, pardon me, uh, I'm kind of maybe glad I didn't go this year. Yeah, they were they were saying it was like mm, track temp was like uh, 115. That That's about right because we're, I'm only about 100 miles west of there. It was 96 with massive amounts of humidity here today in Illinois. It was ugly. That's insane. I, I, I still remember the first time we actually did a podcast together. You're like, yeah, I'm going to come sleep on your couch one day. I'm like, okay. You're like, oh, they're, they're, they're doing a race in New York City. And yeah, no, and it, 
Yeah, no, that didn't work out. So now, now when I got with the goddess, I said, just, just, just so you know and be aware, there may be one day where I'm going to call you and I'm going to say, Jeff Hanna is going to be sleeping on her couch, and she's gonna, and she's going to go, who the hell is Jeff Hanna? Because you know, obviously, she's not big into the game. And I'm like, yeah, he just wants to come watch some F1 race. She's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hearing rumors that they want to do one in Miami now. Uh, yeah. See, I. I, I don't know if I ever told you, and you know, we could take this out of the show and whatnot. But yeah. they, they was, um, they actually NASCAR because you know I was big into NASCAR before they decided to neuter themselves. <laughs> um, but NASCAR was actually planning to build a NASCAR track in Staten Island, New York. Mm-hmm. That's happened where I live, and then the, you know the public and everybody rebelled against it because they didn't want a NASCAR track and all the traffic and all this other stuff. So. NASCAR actually uh, backed out of it, but they paid, you know, because part of the controversy was all the traffic. NASCAR actually paid for one of our major highways to get an extra two lanes on each side. To, right. Yeah. To help alleviate the traffic. Then, not then you know, they kicked them out and was like, no, we're not, you can't build your track here. And they still use that money to expand the highway. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm, I'm actually upset that the track never came because, you know, you know, as a racing fan, a race weekend brings in oh. like a hundred million dollars just over a weekend. Oh yeah, oh there, if you if you can put up with it, it's a massive shot to the economy. And trust me, Staten Island needs that money. Uh, all right. So with that being said, uh, my shout outs. Shout out to the goddess, uh, of course. Uh, shout out to Sweet Mama D, who should be in bed right now. <laughs> nope. As I say up? that, <laughs> she shows up. Say hi, Sweet Mama D. Say hi right there. Hi. Uh, why aren't you in bed? Yeah, the the sun's answer. still up. Good answer. Uh, she, she hasn't finished Detroit. <laughs> Obviously. How, how far are you in Detroit? No spoilers. How far are you? Four missions in? Five missions in? You have no clue? I, what? Go inside. I think like <laughs> five? Five. Okay, five or missions six. in. Five or six. You should make it an all Detroit weekend and then have her binge watch the three Robocop movies. Well, Ooh, the, best part is, the best part is she got into streaming lately. So oh, now really? she wants... Yeah, she... Oh, it's cute. I had her streaming Mario Odyssey one day. And she's explaining every little detail she's doing, and people and and the people that are watching are helping her. And they're like, "Oh, hey, go over to this post." She's like, "But I can't go over there because I can't jump up here." And they're like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> it is the cutest thing. But I'm sitting, you know, of course, as, as the parent, I'm sitting next to her, making sure nobody's saying anything, you know, vulgar and chat and whatnot. Right. But she will not shut up, and she's like, "Daddy, can I stream Detroit?" I'm like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> You lucky I'm letting you play. You're not streaming it. <laughs> uh, anyway, so shout out to the listeners. Shout out to everybody. You know, of course, uh, stay tuned to our socials. We're going to be announcing all our plans for 350. It's going to be a live show, much to the chagrin of Yield, who hates doing being on camera. Hey, I'm too sexy what? for this camera. Uh, but before we get to 350, I just want to tell you. You know, obviously, we'll say it next week too. Thank you very much. Is without the listeners, without the support of people, you know, like Jeff, 
who, you know, I, I met Jeff on an off chance through Sarcastic Gamer and with uh, Doc. Uh, I reached out to him one day and it was like, Jeff has always been very accommodating, very, very nice guy, very cool dude. Um, I actually, if it wasn't for the goddess, I actually would have flown to GDC to surprise him, but <laughs> like go to like one of his panels and just ask a question like, why do you hate PlayStation trophies so much? <laughs> Um, I, I don't. I don't hate them. I just fail to acknowledge their existence. <sighs> see, <laughs> see, it's it's mutual because we don't care about achievements. Right. Right. See, I, I'm actually aghast that I actually played Minesweeper and unlocked an achievement. Oh well. Look, I I am a grizzled veteran of the Amiga Atari ST wars. I I have to pick a side. You picked the wrong side. No, I really. I really didn't. <laughs> no, because uh, he has a bigger controller. And the ability right. to like, like CTV. Oh, boy. And if there's nothing else, until next week, happy trophy hunting. Peace out. See ya. The theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines. <laughs>